Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo! Welcome to the show, Chris Graham, Jerry Ratcliffe, the Hall of Famer here on The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. And uh, we've got sort of a hodgepodge of stuff to talk about here. Uh, we thought we might have a uh, we might be able to talk about the College World Series, but that ended a few days ago for Virginia. Two losses, first time Virginia went 0-2 in that event, and I went out there for the brief time that Virginia was there. We'll talk about that a little later. we got some Virginia basketball news, uh, both uh, on the recruiting front and then the NBA front. We'll start with the uh, on the recruiting front. Uh, Jaron Stevenson announcing his college destination, Jerry, and probably not a surprise, it's not Virginia. Um, but uh, what's the latest on Stevenson? Well, uh, I thought he was headed to North Carolina after all the interviews I'd seen with some of the North Carolina media outlets. Um, it's a 15-minute drive from his house. Uh, he was talking about how convenient that was in case he had any issues. He'd be there close to his parents and um, talked about how he hung out with Carolina players and with Hubert Davis and how cool they were and uh, various things that impressed him upon his visit to Chapel Hill. So I was pretty much convinced he was headed there. Uh, And then we got word that Alabama had uh, come up with a very lucrative NIL package. Uh, I cannot verify that, but uh, there's uh, some strong rumors from sources that we know that would indicate that perhaps it was uh, pretty big numbers. <laughs> and uh, so he committed to Alabama the other night. Um, and, you know, he had visited there. He, he liked his visit there. He liked Nate Oates. Um, he likes this NBA style of offense they run. Because uh, apparently that's this kid has NBA on the brain. He uh, talked constantly about how he wanted to go somewhere where he could be developed into an NBA player, uh, reclassify, which would get him there a year earlier, and seemed to be really focused on getting to the NBA. So that style of offense would probably be more. Um, I don't know, uh, would would help him get there quicker, assuming that he can play on that level, which you never know. But um, he wants to be a stretch four, but his perimeter numbers in the EYBL this, or whatever it was he played in most recently uh, weren't that good. I think he only shot like 19 or 20% from three-point line. So he's got some work to do. If, if he wants to be a stretch four in college and particularly in the NBA. But uh, I think Virginia finished third in the race. Uh, Obviously, Virginia fans know they're not going to pay that kind of money for a a player to come in. 
and uh, you know, I, I don't know how serious he was about the academics and that sort of stuff, but um, certainly it won't be as challenging in Tuscaloosa as it would have been in Charlottesville or even in Chapel Hill for that matter. Right. I, I, I still can't figure out how Virginia was even in this race for this kid. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Yeah. For lots of reasons. I mean, yeah, the one and done part of it, the NIL part of it uh, being, you know, there. And then also, you know, it, it just, his, his game and what he wants to do doesn't fit into, you know, the way Tony likes to play basketball either. I mean, it's not to say, that you don't develop into an NBA player as a big at Virginia. We have we don't have a lot of guys in the Tony era who who were bigs who have moved on. Mommy Diakite, Jay Huff have been going back and forth between the G League and um, and the NBA the last couple of years, and then they're they're trying to you know trying to catch on with uh, Cleveland and the Wizards respective respectively. But um, you know you mentioned his uh, Stevenson's perimeter numbers not being that great. I mean, you can work on that certainly, and he's going to need to, if you're going to be a six ten guy in the NBA and you don't want to be setting screens and playing defense, like you would at Virginia, um, you better be able to shoot the three. And um, you know, so he'll have to work on that. Uh, but I was making the argument, I guess on Tuesday, cause he, he announced on Wednesday, I was making the argument in a column that kind of what I was just saying there, if, if uh, a lot of NBA teams, um, actually uh you know have have gotten away most nba teams if not all nba teams have gotten away from feeding the ball in the post to a guy uh and you know if you're six ten seven feet tall whatever you might be now you better be able to play like a kevin durant and and be able to play on the perimeter otherwise you are going to be setting screens and playing defense and so if you're gonna if that's your role virginia is a great place to teach how to do it uh i don't know that alabama letting you shoot the ball every time you want to is going to get you ready for the nba any better than virginia is so um but yeah i, I still can't believe that virginia was even in the running for this uh from from tony bennett's perspective maybe this isn't the worst thing that, that happened that stevenson's not coming to virginia yeah and you know he, he wanted immediate playing time and I'm, I'm i'm you know obviously that depends on how good you are and how much you earn but uh, you know I don't know how much playing time would he have gotten here Chris as a freshman because they have um, what nine ten guys on the roster already and we know we all know that Tony doesn't play nine or ten guys as a rule yeah um, particularly as the season develops he kind of cuts that rotation down a little bit but there's a lot of bodies in there that's going to be fighting for playing time as it is. And a lot of these guys obviously came in on the, from the transfer portal and have experience, college experience. And so um, it, it would have been interesting to see how he would have fit in here had he come. I, I, don't, I don't know how much playing time he would have gotten it. I mean, if he, he came in and knocked your socks off drilling threes and dominating and stuff like that that would be one thing but to come in as a freshman and having to learn the pack line from scratch and fit into a a slower pace game than probably what he was accustomed to I don't know he he might not have gotten that much playing time as as a freshman yeah, Jordan Miner and uh, Jake Groves uh, are are two of the guys off the transfer board who will play in the post for Virginia. 
Um, they're one year guys because um, they both are, are, will be in there. Well, I think Groves maybe has a second year of eligibility left possible, but Miner is a one year guy. He's a grad transfer. But then you have your other guys that could be impacted. You know, Blake Buchanan, the four star who, who committed as a junior, um, he's coming in this year. Anthony Robinson, who just committed, the three star, six um, ten guy. Uh, you know, you wonder, okay, so if you're those guys, do you say, mm, maybe, you know, maybe it's too crowded now. Maybe we need to get out of here. Uh, if you're Ryan Dunn, who the coaches are really high on, uh, you know, uh, definitely in spurts this past season, but he's going to get some more minutes and more run coming up as a sophomore. You know, if he, do you, if, if you're him, do you say, man, you know, again, maybe, maybe I need to get out of here. And so, you know, you could, you could lose guys for, you know, potentially three or four year contributors. Uh, because a one and done comes in, I, you know, I, Virginia's not played that game yet. Um, you know, you, you, we've seen some transfers come in and and uh, one or two year transfers, and those kind of guys are are kind of plugging holes and 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 been very beneficial to Virginia in that respect. But yeah, the 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 one and done um, game is is a game that once you start playing it, I don't know if you, if you can stop playing it. And that's so yeah. I mean, if 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 you're if you're Tony Bennett and you get a guy like Jaron Stevenson calling you up and saying, I want to come and look at your program and I'm thinking about making you a finalist, you don't say no to a five star, but I don't know that Tony's too um, heartbroken that the, the news was what it was. Yeah, you're probably right. And I, I think Ryan Dunn is going to be outstanding this year as well. I, and there's already chatter on some of the NBA lines that, uh, he may be somebody they're interested in after this season. So uh, I expect a lot of big things from him this coming this fall, no question about it. And so, yeah, and, and we don't know, you know, how good Stevenson really is. Um, I mean, he's been great in high school and some of the summer league or spring league stuff, but um it's a whole new game once you, once you get up to the college level, and we'll see. I mean, maybe uh, maybe he'll flourish in a more wide open offense and become a superstar. But yeah, he may be stuck at Alabama for longer than he maybe anticipates. I, I don't know before he's ready for the NBA. That's that's definitely a possibility there. Well. Other other UVA basketball news on the flip side of things, as we were talking about a high school recruit looking at Virginia. Now, a couple of guys who finished up their college careers this past spring uh, who were signing uh, with NBA teams. So you had some news on that. I've, I've had some reporting on that this afternoon as well. Um, Kihei Clark and Armand Franklin. Yeah, Kihei has signed a deal with uh, the Utah Jazz Summer League. Uh, and that's pretty cool that he'll get a chance to play in that league because it gives him a lot of exposure, not only to the Jazz, but anybody else in the NBA who's shopping for a a guard, point guard, that they could use. And uh, who knows where that may lead. It could lead to a two-way contract with the G League or, or who knows. And um, I think there's – you know, they. I, I don't think the Jazz is overloaded with point guards, so he might get a, a stronger look than normal. And uh, Armand Franklin, uh, his mom, India, put it out last night that he is 
signing with the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. Uh, we've come to learn since then that it's uh, one of those 10 day, I think, deals. Um, exhibit 10 is the exhibit 10. Yeah. 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 I'm, not, I'm still not sure what exhibit 10 is. I, 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 I looked it up today because I've, you know, uh, Jay Huff was on an exhibit 10 deal a couple of years ago. It's basically a non-guaranteed deal. So it, it is, but you get a bonus and it can be converted into a two-way deal. So it's essentially, oh, okay. they're taking you off the open market. Um, giving you a bonus, and then um, I would presume he's in the summer league with them, uh, maybe in camp with them, and then we'll see from there. Yeah, and that's that's a nice break for him. Gives him an opportunity. Still haven't heard anything about Jaden Gardner, whether he will get an opportunity or not, or maybe play overseas somewhere. But um, uh, you know, somebody might give him a break. Who knows? But it's I not assume he's a guy that'll at least sign a summer league deal and get a look. He's he's too good of a, a scorer not to at least get a look somewhere. You would think so, and it's great to see these guys get a chance to to perhaps lengthen their careers and play a little pro ball. And you never know what happens once you get that opportunity. It's what you make of it, and sometimes it's who, what team you're with. Yet a lot of times it's more what team you're with and how good you are. Um, you could be good and, and be with a team that doesn't need you as opposed to being not as great and being with a team that really needs you. So um, that is the, ch- I was, I was doing some research on our guys, Jerry, from the past few years. And you look at guy, uh, uh, Jay Huff has been on a couple of two way deals, uh, putting up good numbers in the G league with the LA G league team and the Washington G league team. And, you know, he yeah, got a little bit of time with the, with the Wizards uh, in the in the spring this year, and uh, but you look at Sam Hauser; he's a guy that wasn't drafted, uh, ended up uh, on a two way deal with the Celtics, and now he's actually a guy. He was in the regular season rotation. Um, he wasn't in you know the teams typically like Virginia, like Tony Bennett does. You you shorten your bench as the season goes on. And in the playoffs, he wasn't a rotation guy for the Celtics, but now with with the moves that the Celtics have made in the last couple of days. Uh, a lot of talk about him being a rotation guy this year. So from two-way guy to rotation guy, uh, that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good thing. So yeah, it's what you make of it. You get you get a you know if you get a job, uh, you know you, it's, it, after that it's just about how how well you play and 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 uh, yeah the right situation unfortunately too. Justin Anderson's been playing in the G League. He's a he he might be a G League Hall of Famer. He was putting up big numbers yeah. again this past year. He can't get an NBA job to save his life, but the guy scores twenty five points a game in the G League. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, you would think some club out there could use his talent, no question yeah. about it. And I mean, look at John Crotty. He hung around in the NBA for years, and he, you know he got a chance, and he learned and uh, improved his game and became a solid contributor and was around for quite a long time. So um, sometimes it's just uh, getting that opportunity and getting the door open, getting your foot in the door. Yeah. I was looking at some other guys, Mariel Shayok, who played three years at Virginia, graduated from Virginia, then played his last year at Iowa State. Uh, he um, scored, he was scored just under 20 a game in the G League this past year, but he signed a pro contract overseas uh, kind of like Kyle Guy did. Kyle Guy played this past year in Spain. Um, there's good money to be made overseas too. So you know they they can make they, they don't make quite NBA money necessarily, but 
um, you know, making 500,000 to a million dollars a year to play basketball and live overseas is, is not a bad gig either. Yeah. And I think they pay a lot of your expenses too. So yeah. yeah. Um, you're kind of living for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they definitely, uh, yeah, they treat you, they treat you well over and you don't, they don't play nearly as many games either. Uh, you know, the NBA schedule is 82 game regular season uh, with playoffs. So without their regular seasons there, I know in, in Kyle's league is something like 32 games. I think it was. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad. There's worse ways to, there's ways to have to go through life than playing a few years there and making some money and, and then coming back home. But, uh, but yeah, for, for Kihei and Armand, I mean, Armand getting that, that exhibit 10 deal is, is a really big, really nice thing for him, a chance to make a team I and mean, make a team that is the, the now the defending NBA champion. Uh, and Kihei is, is going to be a guy, whether it's Utah or somebody else, I, I just think his, his heart, uh, it's going to be hard to overcome. He's going to play hard. We know that when he's in the G League, uh, in the summer league, that is. And uh, he's going to play hard and impress somebody. Somebody's going to give him at least a G League shot next year, and we'll see what happens from there for him. Yeah, and, and you know, Anthony Gill played in Europe for a while. He made it back to the NBA with the Wizards. And then going way back, Olden Polonese, I think, played in Spain or Italy for a year or two and ended up having the longest – I think NBA career of any former Virginia player. That's correct. That's um, correct. Made a lot of money. And so uh doesn't mean if you don't make it the first go round that you won't uh, make it later down the road. That is exactly right. That's exactly. And, you know, even thinking about uh Joe Harris was a second round pick, but uh his first go with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he barely got any run. Um, they got, he got traded after getting injured, uh, to Orlando and Orlando immediately cut him. It was basically a, a, a trade and dump kind of move. And he was almost out of, out of the NBA and got picked up by the Brooklyn Nets. And now he's making 20 some million a year. So, I mean, you know, yeah, if, if it's kind of what you said earlier, Jerry, it could be a right situation kind of thing. He, you know, Joe couldn't get, uh, minutes in Cleveland and, uh, you know, he's been a consistent, uh, and very productive guy for, for, uh, Brooklyn for several years now and making really good money. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, these guys have a chance and we'll keep up. I'm sure you'll be on the lookout. I'll be on the lookout for what happens with Jaden, uh, Gardner, and we'll figure out what his next step is. And I'm sure it's going to be somewhere, uh, coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Tom Newell, the son of Pete Newell, uh, famous uh, basketball coach, one of the greatest coaches in American history. Um, uh, his son, Tom, lived here in Charlottesville for a while. I got to know him uh, early one in my career. And he's the one that told me that uh, he, he learned so much basketball from his father. Uh, and I think he was, well, I know he was UVA's uh, color analyst uh, on the radio network for a few years while he was here and uh, later became a scout. But he's one that told me how important that was, that it's not really necessarily your talent, but what team needs your talent. And so it's all about the fit sometimes and not uh, necessarily the ultimate of your skill and all that, but just where you fit into a certain club or don't fit into a certain club. So he said, sometimes it's better to be a free agent and find a team that fits you and needs you as opposed to getting drafted by the wrong team that really doesn't need you that bad. 
I'm thinking I'll think of another of Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is a great example. He was a just a three point shooter uh, uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks for three seasons. He ends up uh, leaving and going to Indiana, becomes a starting point guard, and uh, you know now he's he's he might be the starting point guard for the Celtics. It looks like with with them trading uh, Marcus Smart, uh, but uh, you know yeah. You know, he goes from he goes from standing on the three point line and catching passes and shooting threes to, you know, to running the team. So yeah, it's it's all about all about the fit there. Well, that's that's uh, great news for Kihei, great news for Armand. We'll we'll root for Jaden to and then see what his news is. I'm hoping that we'll see Kyle Guy make another run at the NBA as well. He played he put up decent numbers in Spain this year. And um, Braxton Key, um, I think I saw that he signed overseas. Uh, I was I was trying to keep up with all of our guys uh, when I was updating on the Kihei and uh, Armand news. So uh, there's a bunch of guys out there, that's for sure. There's a, there's a lot more of those guys out there. That's right. That's right. Uh, our, our intern uh, Harry did a a nice little thing last week for those who may have missed it on our site, but he he kind of went back and reviewed. Uh, the seasons that all those UVA guys in the NBA and G League had, uh, we might have missed a couple, but uh, he had the majority of them in there. And if you haven't seen that, go look, check it out. But uh, Virginia had an interesting visitor um, Wednesday, Chris, in Christian Bliss, the point guard that we've talked about on here before. He's visiting Xavier today. And um, I think he's still going to go back to Notre Dame for a second visit because the first visit he had there, uh, Mike Bray was still the coach, so he wanted to get to know the new head coach a little bit. And Kyle Getter was here then, but now he's at Notre Dame. Um, And there might be one more visit uh, on his agenda, or itinerary rather, um, that I'm not – I can't place off the top of my head, but – uh, I heard he had a good visit here, and uh, he's. I think he's Virginia's top point guard target for 24. Uh, outstanding player, and would be a uh, a good fit with UVA should he decide to come here. I don't think he's going to make any quick decisions unless something just totally blows him out of the water. But um, I would not be surprised if he ended up being a Cavalier. Yeah, and point guard will be a need. Dante Harris is. Uh, he'll have. Uh, I guess it's three years of eligibility left, but uh, Reese Beekman obviously will be uh, heading out the door after this coming season. Um, and so um, getting, getting someone in, in, in this program ready to play um, will be, will be a priority for and is a priority for Tony Bennett and the staff. Any other basketball recruiting? Uh, and, plus, and plus we know that Tony likes to play two point guards at the same time. So um he, that has been a winning formula for him since the championship year, no doubt. Yeah, he wouldn't have to sit on the bench very much at, at first. That's right. That's right. I, I'm uh, chasing down. Uh, I think UVA, now that the live recruiting period is open again, uh, I think Virginia has reached out to around 20 players, so we'll be uh, writing something about that uh, in the very near future, about who they've contacted. and. Um, but I think that's pretty much it for the moment. They don't get much time off. They spend uh, the uh, right, the spring uh, plugging the holes with the transfer portal, and then they get like a week off probably, and then they're out ready for the next, you know, couple of classes. After uh, it's a it's a never ending job, the recruiting job. 
Yeah, and you you wonder, you know, with that and the NIL and all that other stuff going on, you you wonder how that wears on a coach like Tony, who uh, we saw what it did to Jay Wright and may have had some influence on Jim Beheim. I don't know. Um, maybe it was just time for Beheim to step down at Syracuse, but I know he, he had to be frustrated with the NIL. He had mentioned that uh, quite loudly <laughs> uh, toward the end of the season. And uh, I, I have to agree with what he said. A lot of, He caught a lot of grief for that, but uh, he said a lot of people are just out flat out buying players and not the it's not the way it's supposed to go, but um which is kind of disappointing. Uh, I don't know how you felt this week when the NCAA came out and said that they were putting the LSU's football and basketball team on probation. I don't know how much of a I didn't read the details of it, but uh, Will Wade, who is was fired at LSU is now at McNeese State. The only thing he's being penalized is a 10-game suspension for essentially getting caught red-handed by the FBI on wiretaps for talking about buying players. And, and uh, I mean, how, how does it get any more <laughs> exposed than that? It just makes it seem like that uh, all those – investigations and and stuff that was going on there where we had the the false hopes that it was going to clean up college basketball just kind of went out the window and now with the nil i guess all that stuff is moot that's Um, that's what i that's what i'm thinking i mean i i I, lsu and will wade i mean god it it seems so sleazy than when he was starting the program there but i mean now it's legal so <laughs> if you're if you're him, if you're LSU, uh, you got to be thinking, you know, okay, so can we just, you know, retroactively apply the NIL rules? I mean, you know, we were just talking about Stevenson. Of course, it's not official, and I'm I'm, I'm there with you, but we we're just talking about how he got a big NIL deal uh, to go to Alabama. I mean, uh, you know, so now you don't have to pay players under the table. You, you can keep your hands above the table and pay them, and it's it's okay. So. Yeah, that's that's fr- that's frustrating. I mean, the whole everything about it's frustrating uh, from from that standpoint. I mean, I love the guys getting the money, but it should not be. And I know this is where Virginia is among the schools that and the fan bases who get frustrated with how they want to be above board. It's not the NCAA says that nil money is not supposed to be an inducement. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to say, here's a million dollars, come to our school. It's supposed to, you know, the way it's supposed to work is you're in school. So now, you know, you're eligible to, to, to reach out and, and, you know, make these deals. And um, Virginia, Virginia wants to play it the right way. And there are other schools that don't. And, you know, if you're going to be a, you know, have honor, uh, <laughs> you're, you're probably uh, putting yourself behind the eight ball, but uh, you know, I, I know that frustrates some fans when you look at social media. But um, you know, Virginia is playing it the honorable way. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm sure that they are giving Reese Bigman a a better NIL package now that he decided to return. Um, but nothing crazy like some of the numbers we've heard thrown around in college athletics and uh, on three dot com. Uh, has an interesting 
aspect of their website when they're evaluate, evaluating recruits, not only with their talent, but their NIL worth. Uh, and I don't know how you determine that. I think part of it is through your Instagram and Twitter followers and things like that, and how much you may be an influencer, so to speak. Um, and I think they had Stevenson rated at like $210,000 in terms of NIL value, but we heard that he got paid north of that um, to come to Alabama. But uh, again, that's not official. That's just a hearsay out there, but coming from a fairly reliable source. Yeah, I've heard the number too, and it's definitely above 210,000. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love that little feature on the on three site. It's, it's, it's more there just for probably bar arguments than any, other than anything <laughs> else, but it's still it's still a fun way, especially on the transfer. When I was looking, you know, when when the guys were out there, the uh, Caleb Love and Hunter Dickinson and guys like that were out there, um, they put a really big number beside Love and they put a smaller number beside Dickinson, and it was just okay. That's interesting. I, you know, it's good argument kind of thing. Uh, natural natural grass or artificial turf, DH or no DH, and then you know how much money a kid gets when he goes to a different school. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting marketplace. Uh, kind of situation and i agree it's it, you know you mentioned uh, jay wright you know you have to wonder you and, and jim Bayham, you have to wonder roy williams and coach k stepping down in, in the last couple of years as well right. uh, uh and uh virginia fans are always going to be every spring fearing for what tony bennett uh may or may not be doing uh in his future uh you know after every season's over so but yeah, I, I can't blame those guys. I mean, it's a tough enough job as it is, uh, in terms of the you know the just year long grind for recruiting, um, and then you have to re recruit your own guys. You have to go in the transfer portal and recruit. It's a, it's now you're now you're not just recruiting 365 days a year, but you're recruiting 730 days a year because you you have to do two jobs now as far as that goes. And at some point that will wear that'll wear thin on certain guys. Yeah, I used to think nothing would make Tony leave Virginia until uh, – and, again, he doesn't want to coach until he's 70 or anything like that, but I thought he would coach for a really long time. Now I'm not so sure that he's in it for the long haul with, with these changes unless the in, the Congress does something to um, give the NCAA some – guidelines that makes it a level playing field in terms of NIL and, and gets the transfer portal under control, yeah. which I, I think that they're, the portal, they are, they are addressing that a little bit, but the NIL is, uh, to me, is, is a train wreck. It's been out of control since the beginning and seems to only be getting worse. So um, who knows? Uh, it, it, it's got to wear on, on guys. So, Losing players through the portal, not knowing who your team's going to be from one year to the next, hardly, and and then the NIL stuff. It's uh, you can be in it for a, a good recruit, and then all of a sudden he's gone to a school that doesn't have a program as good as yours, but they're going to offer big money. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's it's, and I think the portal is is probably even. I mean, of the two, because yeah, you you losing recruits for for NIL money. But the portal is just the kind of thing where that's where you you don't have your roster stability from year to year, and that's been a key for Tony. I mean, not not just roster stability, but coaching staff stability. 
I mean, he's got Ron Sanchez back now after you know Ron left to be a head coach for five years. That's that's how stable that <laughs> that coaching staff is, and this the roster too. His his Tony style of ball is so so intricate. You know, you've got to know you've got to know instinctively where you are defensively because that that defense requires so much of that, and it, it requires timing and placement and, and just repetition. And the offense is is rather patterned as well. And you know, you don't just pick it up. You know, a freshman, a freshman like Jaron Stevenson, five star or not, can't just walk in and and start and and excel right away at a place like Virginia. Uh, it, it it can really be. It's Malcolm Brogdon's a star in the NBA. He averaged six point nine points a game as a freshman at Virginia. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of of playing at Virginia. And you know, if if you can't develop guys and expect they're going to be there uh, for their sophomore, junior, and senior years, that 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 throws Tony's model, you know, on its head. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Ron Sanchez, I don't know, it's true, because I haven't had an opportunity to speak with him since he's decided to come back, but uh, I heard that he was very frustrated at Charlotte, uh, like a lot of mid-major coaches probably are right now, because he lost his two best players through the transfer portal to bigger schools, and so – that's another frustration among, particularly among mid-major coaches who develop players, and all of a sudden, if after they have a good year, they're gone to a bigger program. So, yeah, um, it's taken its toll all throughout college basketball. College, you know, I, I worked for several years uh, as an announcer uh, uh, doing ESPN Plus broadcast down at VMI. Um, you know, football, basketball, and baseball, and they had they've had that issue even before the transfer portal. You know, schools like that where you know they they take a a, a ride on a guy and say, hey, you know, here we go, we got a uh, you know, scholarship for you, and then a, you know a, a guy will come in and, and all of a sudden start excelling. A Bubba Parham comes to mind, a basketball player who ended up at Georgia Tech. Uh, he was at VMI for two years, lightly recruited kid out of Georgia, ends up leading the Southern Conference and scoring a couple of years, and goes to Georgia Tech. I mean, they. You know, that kind of thing happens. That's been happening for years, and it's even worse now for them because now you don't even have to sit out a year when you transfer. You can just go straight to a school. So, yeah, it's, you know, for for the uh, the mid-majors and even the lower-level conferences, you know, they feel like they, they're kind of treated like being like minor league teams to right. uh, the, the majors and the power five. And they're just, you know, and it's the, the, the lack of loyalty to kids when – if you're a VMI, if you're a Charlotte, and you're giving a scholarship to a kid and spend a year or two or three developing a kid, and then they go somewhere else and and star. Uh, that the, yeah, I can see where Sanchez would say, "Hey, I'm, I've had enough of that." Yeah, no question about it. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big-time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993. 
back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. So, um, golf news. Uh, we had some. We had a UVA alum uh, flirting with a 59 yesterday. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, you can you can call up the story on my website, and there's a video of uh, our good friend Denny McCarthy, who's been on our podcast, um, came within an inch, Chris, of making a 59, and uh, on the previous hole. He left a putt like two inches short of a birdie, which would have put him at a 59. And then the 170-yard approach shot, he hit with a seven, choked down seven iron, uh, raised the hole, missed it by an inch, which would have potentially been a 58 if those two shots had gone in. It's the same course where Jim Furyk shot a 58 in 2016, I believe. And uh, at the Travelers up in Connecticut, and uh, I mean, what a day by Denny! He fired a ten under ten under par sixty. Uh, I think there's only been a dozen fifty nines in PGA history, so that would have put him in an exclusive club for sure. Had that one, either one of those balls fallen, and um, great for him. I mean, he's been so close in so many tournaments this year and late last year. Uh, played well at, at uh, Jack Nicholas's course in the uh, Memorial where he ended up uh, in a playoff and uh, suffered a bogey, I think, that caused him to be in the playoff and then lost the playoff on a bogey. And so he, he hasn't won on the tour. He's come so close so many times and been in the mix on Sundays uh, I hope he can find a way to pull through and and uh, post his first PGA tournament tour win um, this weekend up in Connecticut. That, that would be great for his confidence. And he's he's already known as the best putter in professional golf, uh, but he wants to prove that he's more than just a really great putter. That he's got the complete game, and and he's he's been uh, pretty darn good about that this spring so far he's, he's uh, had uh, a good year. Um, I guess it was a PGA tournament to where he was so close and uh, played okay in the U S open, nothing spectacular there, but he did make the cut, but he's, uh, he's done well. He's, he's played well. And this could be a, a huge breakthrough for him just for his confidence to show him that he can win on tour. Uh which he's convinced himself that he can. He just needs to get over that hump. Yeah, I'm looking at the um, the PGA uh, FedEx Cup standings. Uh, he's he's in the top ten. He's ninth right now uh, in the in the standings. So uh, you know, we had him when we had him one last year. He was trying to get in the top thirty uh, so he could make it all the way through the end. And uh, he's 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 one of those favorites right now to be. Uh, plan all the way through uh, this summer. So that's, that's good to see. He's another guy that we had on the podcast um, uh, not too long ago is uh, Andrew Abbott, who made his major league debut earlier this month. And uh, he's now pitched in four games. He's finally given up an earned run. He, uh, it, it, <laughs> his first three outings, he'd actually uh, put up zeros. Um, and he was, he's the first guy since 1893 
to have three outings of more than five innings uh, with with no runs allowed to start his career. That's that's a long time, 1893. That's I, I, and I found this that 1893 is when they moved the mound back to 60 feet six inches. So um, he's the first. <laughs> that's that's mind boggling if you stop and think about it. Because uh, there's we, I mean, how many incredible pitchers have we seen? Yes, in our yeah. lifetime, let alone uh, prior to that. But yeah, Abbott is he's three and zero. He got a no decision uh, in his last start, but the Reds won the game. Came back and won on Monday uh, or Tuesday. I'm so I'm sorry. And uh, uh, the Reds are so they're four and zero in his games. Uh, his first win was the start of a fourteen and two stretch that has taken the Reds from last place in the NL Central to first place in the Central. Um, his second start, his, his, which was another win for him, was the first of an eleven game winning streak that they're currently on. So. Um, he's four and zero during this stretch. I mean, the team is four and zero for uh, in his games during this stretch, um, and he was called up just because the Reds were struggling to figure out who their four and five starters were, and they were basically auditioning him for that role. I'd say he's he's uh, got a good shot at landing one of those jobs. It would seem so. I mean, I, I talked to a scout back in the winter who, and I asked him about Abbott, and he said, "Well, I think he's probably going to be a bullpen guy." eventually but it sounds like to me that the way he has kicked off his major league career he he may be a starter for a long long time yeah he's you know his fastball uh is is not off the charts as a starter he's in the low 90s 92 93 um but uh yeah he's just he's he's got great control and uh you know hides the ball well and you know, yeah, he's every time he goes out there, he's giving them, you know, he's getting into the sixth inning. He's gotten in the seventh inning once, um, giving them 100 pitches or so per start. And and they're, you know, they're being smart with him too, not not stretching him too far. But uh, yeah, he's he's definitely earned one of those those shots uh, uh, for the Reds. Um, I guess I think, he, I think he's developed a really good changeup. Uh, I think that started his last year at Virginia when uh, he expected to get drafted after his uh, junior season and didn't. And so I think he added that change up and uh, has made him a much more dangerous pitcher and uh, uses that a lot to fool Gus as he sets it up with his fastball. But I think he has a a good slider and a good change up and it's really made him um, almost (laughs) almost unhittable. He strikes out a whole lot of people with uh, that control. He's a guy that, yeah, he, you mentioned that he didn't get drafted after his junior year. They only had a five-round draft that year. That was the COVID year, 2020. Right. Um, and um, uh, he, so it's rare to see a guy, I mean, he had, he had to come back because he didn't get drafted in that five-round draft, but it's rare to see a guy come back for a senior year. And then actually he was a second-round pick. So he went from not being a five, you know top-five-round pick to being a second-round pick as a senior he also he he was a reliever his first three years of Virginia. Uh, Brian O'Connor made him a starter in 2021, and uh, he was on that World Series team of 2021, the ace of that team, won nine games. And so, yeah, his first three years of Virginia reliever, uh, starter for one year. Now he's a starter in the bigs and uh, putting up good numbers. So um, good to see the young man, uh, you know, overcome that little bit of adversity, and and he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, we wish him well. He's a really good guy. We we had him on a podcast uh, his rookie year in the minors, and I think he was out in 
New Mexico or somewhere. Um, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. maybe. Yeah. 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 And that was, they were just treating him very, very delicately because he was coming off of a season where he threw a lot. And so they didn't want to uh, damage his arm by using him too much that summer and fall. So they brought him around uh, slowly, gently, gingerly. And uh, their approach has paid off because he's been uh, almost, like I said, almost unhittable on every level he's pitched at. They've had to move him through the ranks because he was facing guys that he was just dominating. They wanted to test him against better hitters, and he came in and did the same thing uh, at every level. So, uh, And he's doing it. <laughs> Do it in the big, so there's no other level. <laughs> yeah, there's no 5A. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, I remember, uh, I'm looking it up real quick. This year, so he has not lost this year. He was 4-0 in the minors with a 2-5 ERA. Um, he's 3-0 in the bigs, the 1-1-4 ERA. Um, and so, yeah, he started the year in double A. Um, he's, he's been making the, he's been making the rounds. Start, uh, you know, going from, I mean, he's one of the first guys from his draft class to be in the bigs, and he's uh, he's, he's he's achieving. So that's that's great to see. It's not another another UVA baseball alum. There's so many of those out there uh, in the big leagues making noise. So um, I guess we could talk uh, briefly about my uh, very abbreviated trip to Omaha. <laughs> I was oh, yeah. out there for, for just a couple of days. <laughs> well, I hope you got to see the sights. Um, I actually didn't. I, I was uh, on Saturday, the, the the day between Virginia's games on Friday and Sunday, I uh, decided to hang around the ballpark and be a fan. And so I just kind of, you know, hung around uh, Charles Schwab Field, they call it now, and uh, watched uh, the Wake. Who was Wake playing? Wake was playing Stanford in, the, in, in their first game. Went to the game on Sunday, games on Sunday and you know, after the launch, just decided to come home. Um, uh, I couldn't miss all this rain we had this week, so I, I flew yeah. home as fast as I could. <laughs> I should have stayed out there longer than what I should have done. But, um, you know, it's Virginia loses two games by one run uh, with uh, Kyle Teal uh, and um, Jake Geloff each going 0 for 7 uh, this weekend. And, you know, um, not getting maybe the, the quite the depth of starting pitching that that Brian O'Connor would have expected from his guys, uh, Nick Parker and um, uh, Connolly early. Uh, but, you know, that said, they lost by one run each game. Uh, and, 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 you know, they, they had Florida on Friday night. Florida's in the championship series now. They had Florida dead to rights in the ninth inning. So, uh, you know, I know it's frustrating for fans that Virginia went 0-2, but they were right there. Yeah, I, th I think the quality of those teams, LSU and Wake and uh, TCU, Florida, Virginia, I, I think all those teams were so closely matched, so many one-run games, uh, that anything could have happened. And Virginia just needed a break here or there and, and didn't get it. I know, I know one of the things that Brian O'Connor has said throughout his years that once it gets to be the postseason that – Guys need to elevate their game a little bit and give hit that extra hit, get that extra RBI, get that extra home run or whatever. It just didn't materialize this time like it has a lot in the past for Virginia. And, you know, you come in uh, a different week, uh, who knows, they might have reversed all that. You just don't know. But I, I think 
I think that all those teams were so evenly matched that, that anything could happen. That's why they all came down to such close games, and uh, even like last night with LSU hitting a, a two-run homer in the in the 11th inning and a walk-off homer to win it. Uh, you know, if, if that not had not happened, they might still be playing for all we know. <laughs> Yeah, that was a classic baseball game. I know some fans might say 2 nothing in 11 innings. That's a boring game. But, I mean, that, that game had so much drama. And really, so many of the games out in Omaha this week have had a lot of drama. The two Virginia games, of course, that we 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 played and uh, a number of others as well. I mean, Wake uh, getting to, to, to where they got to 2-2 two and two in their run. Now, all their games came down to the last swing, it seemed like. So, um, yeah, this this was a great – I mean, it's still going on. It, it, what a what a great week for the College World Series. So many evenly matched teams, lots of talented players. Uh, and just, a, you know, just, it, the one difference, I think, for Virginia this week is just the, the – we didn't and, – and, and Ron O'Connor was able to mask it during the season and also during the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Um, the lack of depth in his bullpen kind of showed uh, this weekend, um, especially Friday night. Uh, you know, Jay Wolfolk, he, he finally said after the loss on Sunday to TCU, um, Brian finally conceded that uh, Jay was probably a little worn out from the busy spring with baseball and spring football. Um, that's why Jay wasn't quite the same in the postseason. Um, and so, you know, didn't quite have the full strength out there in the bullpen, but uh, all that's with that issue with your two um, middle of the order guys going 0 for 7 each. Uh, in the in the two games, um, Virginia was a play away in both games. Yeah, and that's basically what it boils down to is, you know, a play here, a play there. Could be they could still be playing, but um, you know, that's baseball. That's baseball, <laughs> baseball can be a cruel sport. As far really as can be. It's a very it's a very exacting sport as far as that goes. So, thirty uh, percent is uh, really good. <laughs> That shows you how hard it is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I'm going through my mental checklist, Jerry, of show topics. Is there, have I missed anything? What is it? What is there anything else that we need to talk chat about here? I think that's just about it, Chris. There's okay. nothing else going on. Um, got uh, credential applications in for the ACC kickoff already for yes. uh, for next month down in Charlotte. Uh, so it, it'll be here before you know it, but. Uh, there's not a lot else going on. Uh, we'll just keep our eyes on recruiting and and anything else that might develop in any of these programs in the off season. But uh, we'll still have plenty of stuff on board. I, I, I've got an interesting story. I did an interesting interview last night uh, that I'll write about today or tomorrow. Is uh, a guy who's a big Virginia fan, uh, Tremaine Blair. Uh, he came to a couple of games. This season, talked to him uh, after the games, and uh, he's in his first starring role in a, a movie coming up. Uh, we'll have all the details on it. I think the their uh, what do you call it? It's, it's not the red carpet, but the, uh, the premiere. The oh, premiere yeah, yeah, is going to yeah. be. Uh, I think the first week of July up in the D.C. area. So. Um, We'll have all the details on that, but it, you know, it's a another uh, another Wahoo actor out there. There's a few already: Tina Fey and Thomas Jones. Thomas uh, Jones, yeah, that's right. I don't know if uh, the first guy that we knew that did that uh, in his first uh, 
uh, uh, Wolfgang, um, God, what was his last name? He played football for George Welsh, but he was in uh, A Few Good Men, and he played uh, one of the guys that was uh, being on trial. And uh, can you imagine your first role in a movie and your uh, Jack Nicholson is playing a, a, a general who's barking in your face. <laughs> Wolfgang Bodison? Yeah, Wolfgang Bodison. He was known as Brian Bodison when okay. he was football. And then oh, yeah, yeah, Hollywood yeah. and uh, changed it to Wolfgang. I think that fits in better in Hollywood. But um, I remember doing a story with him, and he, he said, yeah, that was pretty intimidating being – Having Jack Nicholson barking in my face, and even though it was all pretend, it was still pretty intimidating. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was one of our guys. Yeah, a 1988 grad. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. You're just not old enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know. I uh, I was still. Let's see. I would have still been a sophomore in high school then. So, um, uh, it seems like a hundred years ago now, but. Uh, um, well, as we're wrapping up, then Jerry, let's thank the folks who helped make this possible. Yeah, we'll go with the uh, Roback um, Sportswear Company right here in Charlottesville. It's uh, all over the place around the nation, making uh, great, comfortable, sporty sportswear. Uh, some great stuff. I've got a ton of it myself. It's uh, very comfortable, lightweight. Very, uh, if you're playing golf or anything, uh, it's very comfortable. Um, you can wear it, uh, anywhere and, um, they have a women's line and they have hoodies. They have, uh, the Q, Q, uh, zip stuff. Uh, they've got it all and it, it's a very attractive sportswear. So, uh, go to our website, check them out. I know several of you have, we've, we've learned, uh, from back from the, getting our feedback from the rowback people. So uh, keep on uh, shopping on cherryracliffe.com and you'll get a discount. And uh, thanks to them. Thanks to Aberdeen Barn, best steakhouse in Virginia. Uh, awesome place to go for atmosphere and food and service. Um, got a lot of TVs in case you want to watch a sporting event or something while you're there. Uh, nice bar. And, and uh pretty much anything you would want. And uh, the food is out of this world. So drop by the barn, tell Angela and Terry that Hootie and Chris sent you. And also the Good Feet store. Um, listen to their commercials on our during our podcast here. And uh, Jonathan Cotton is the CEO. And I think they just opened this new store in Bristol and had... Uh, Chris, you know more about NASCAR than I do. I haven't kept up with it like I used to, but uh, Joey Logano, is it? Logano. Uh, Logano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the he, top stars, yeah. yeah. I think uh, he's one of their guys that they've signed to an endorsement thing. He was in Bristol for the grand opening there. Um, I'm sure he's a good guy, or, or Jonathan Cotton wouldn't hire him. <laughs> Jonathan. Uh, that's a big get, actually. That, that, that's I'm impressed. That's all, That's awesome. Yeah. And and so you know he he has some good people. He, he had Kihei and and uh, Jaden Gardner, and um, I'm sure he'll have a lot more Virginia stars in the future. But he's a UVA backer, so go by and see the Good Feet store. They have specially designed arches to help you walk and run 
more comfortably. And so uh, I can give you a testament to uh, how good that makes your feet feel. Um, so thank all those people. If you see them, give them your business if you can, because they're great people to work with. Go to jerryradcliffe.com, uh, read up on the Hall of Famer and what he's got to say about Virginia sports. You can go to augustafreepress.com for some of the latest news as well. For Jerry, I'm Chris signing off. Everyone have a great week.